Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real, and grateful for this chance to spend time with you. The Almost Awakened podcast is where we spend this time together exploring community, the universe, sexuality, evolution, music, how to shed ego and work on shadow work, and tons of other topics that interest you and me. So buckle up, sit tight. We're about to explore the human experience. Today we're going to talk about vaccinations. And the reason this is on my mind is because of COVID-19. And just recently, Pfizer and other companies have announced that they have gotten through the testing process of human trials with the COVID-19 vaccinations. And what we end up with is about a 95% success rate with the person being immunized by these vaccinations. Now, the trouble here, though, is that half the population says they are hesitant or will not take the COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm sitting here thinking about that, and I know that there are going to be people on both sides of this debate. I'm hoping that you'll just give me an hour of your time or less, and we can help explain why such is necessary. I want to start with a little video that talks about uh, how some of this anti-vaccination uh, ideology began. Roll the tape. We've been hearing a lot about anti-vaxxers in the news lately, but they've been around since the beginning of vaccines. Vaccines date back to the research of Edward Jenner, a doctor who was working in rural Britain in the 1700s. He noticed that on the farm, the milkmaids didn't get smallpox in the way everyone else around him seemed to. So, one by one, he started scraping pus from sick cows into the skin of his family members, and miraculously, they didn't get sick. His discovery led to the smallpox vaccine and later the world's first and only infectious disease eradication. This child has what we call active immunity. He has acquired this active immunity by actually having the disease. Fortunately, there's a safer way to get immunity. This is through vaccination. Edward Jenner was basically ostracized from his community. People thought it was disgusting that he would inject his family with pathogens from a sick animal. Fast forward to today and the same kinds of concerns continue. We do not need that many vaccines. The people overly generalize about them as if they're only great. Doctors have to ask brand new parents to give otherwise healthy babies dozens of needles based on the promise that they'll avoid some future abstract disease. One discredited paper made many, many parents think that there was a link between the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine and autism. The parents understand it, they get it, because they've lived it. The message from the BMJ could not be clearer or more shocking. Wakesfield research, they contend, has been a fraud. And we have other anti-vaxxers today who aren't only worried about autism. There are the delayers like Rand Paul. We sometimes give five and six vaccines all at one time. I chose to have mine delayed. There are deniers of all stripes. They're the Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn. They're the parents of children with medical conditions who have to opt out. They're even unvaccinated kids visiting Disneyland. 
the majority of last year's massive uptick in measles cases actually involved the Amish of Ohio. More than 350 people there were infected by one man who had traveled to the Philippines. These outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases in the U.S. typically happen just like that. An unimmunized person travels to a place where one of these diseases is circulating and then returns to a community with other similarly unimmunized people. And boom, we don't remember what measles or polio or hepatitis B look like and felt like. These vaccines work so well that the memory of these diseases has faded. Viruses and bacteria don't know any borders. All it takes is a single traveler to spark an outbreak, even in the happiest place on Earth. Now that video was brought to you by Vox, V-O-X. They have their own YouTube channel. Uh, essentially a place to get news and information. But when you understand some of the diseases that we've dealt with in the past, polio, measles, which is still out there, although for the most part is not present in the United States. When you look at some of the vaccinations that people get, hepatitis B at one to two months, diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, hemophilus uh, influenza type B, polio, pneumococcal, which is pneumonia, the rotavirus. I mean, when you look at these vaccinations that our kids get, they are protecting against diseases that caused incredible damage at various times in our planet's history. Polio, all the people that walked with limps, with bowed legs, with, with issues with walking, had to have devices, or sometimes it was to the extent that they were wheelchair bound. And obviously for some people it even killed them. When you talk about pneumonia and the measles, uh, smallpox, uh, all of these kinds of things that uh, annihilated a portion of our, of our population and caused incredible damage. And yet we are, as a people, nervous about vaccines. We've, we've been told maybe it causes uh, autism, Maybe it causes uh, other things. Maybe the government is inserting chips in us. Like there's lots of reasoning that we give for why vaccinations are uh, dangerous or why we should be skeptical of them. But the reality is that we walk around in 2020 and here we are watching COVID, this, this weak, pathetic pandemic, right? It's killing 0.2% of the population, uh, but you see the damage it's doing by filling up the hospitals. And, and essentially, once those hospitals are full, anybody who gets it who would have lived is now maybe getting a, some type of secondary care uh, if they come to the hospital after it's already full, and now their chance of not receiving uh, the best of care and dying uh, increases significantly. And so here you have 0.2% of the population and maybe 5% goes on a ventilator or 3% goes on a ventilator and 0.2% of those people are dying. Like, I don't know what the actual data is on this issue, but I know that we are dealing with a pandemic that is weak compared to some that we've had in the past. And so when we look at things like polio and measles and smallpox and the Spanish flu and uh, any other plague or pandemic or epidemic that's uh, occurred to the human population throughout the history of time, 
We ought to be grateful that we live in an age where vaccinations are available. Now, there are some connections um, in terms of what people perceive between vaccinations and autism, and it's because autism doesn't show up in people until the ages of one to three. And so you get your kids your vaccinations, and suddenly around their first birthday, you start to notice these symptoms showing up, these behaviors showing up, and you, through your cognitive bias, decide to make a connection of what fits. And I know that maybe there's even a listener out here listening to this podcast who goes, Bill, you've got it wrong. This, there's definitely a connection. I experienced it myself. And my heart goes out to you. And, and what I'm going to say next may sound somewhat cold, but, but I want to I be honest about my own perception of this issue. And I welcome, this is a safe space for conversation. You're welcome to push back. You're welcome to disagree. I, there's no need to be upset with each other. There's no need to be angry. Often when people have conversations around topics that are controversial, people's emotional connection to that topic prevents them from having a peaceful, down-to-earth, kind conversation where information can be shared and understood. And first and foremost, I'm going to try and set my emotion aside and I'm going to ask you to do the same. Even if there is a connection between vaccinations and autism, and I don't know how many it is, one out of every thousand kids or whatever the the number is, and I think it's less than that. Uh, What I mean is it's more prevalent in the population than that. So even if it's one out of every 500, one out of every 300, me personally, I'm willing to take that risk because that means the other 299 kids don't have to deal with polio and measles and mumps and rubella and smallpox and the Spanish flu and hepatitis, and pneumonia, and diphtheria, and tetanus, and whooping cough. Because I think, and my personal view is that, the list of things that we are vaccinated against hold much more risk and danger to the human population than the than the uh, risk or life dealt with of having autism. And so if one kid out of every so many hundred is going to deal with this negative outcome and the rest of them, the other 99.5% are going to deal with a positive outcome, then I'm still okay with that. And I don't think there's a legitimate connection between vaccinations and autism. But even if there was, I think it's worth the one negative outcome to, to be able to immunize our children in our population against diseases that are deeply negatively impactful upon a population that does not have them. Just uh, And you'll learn this in this video we're going to show next. But there is a case of somebody among the Amish population. The Amish don't get their vaccinations. At least this group didn't. And somebody from the Amish population went overseas on a trip, con- cont- uh, contracted the measles, didn't know it, came back, went into back into their population of the Amish. And there was like 354 cases of the measles among the Amish population. It was atrocious. Now, if those same group of people had gotten vaccines, 
for the measles, then perhaps one or two of them would have come down with autism if there is a legitimate connection, which I don't believe there is. And so I just wanted to put out this episode today and talk for a moment about the idea that here we are, COVID-19 has been going on for some time. It is November 20th, 2020. The, The pandemic began back in March. Some people believe the, the illness maybe entered our country somewhat sooner. And, and yet here we are, November 20th, and through the rushed uh, application of science and the permission to uh, move through certain steps much quicker so that we can get a vaccine to the population, we basically in nine months created a working uh, highly effective vaccine for COVID-19. And in order to get herd immunity, they say at a very minimum, we have to inoculate uh, 70% of the population and and likely more. And here we go. Sometime be by the end of this year or the beginning of next year, this vaccine is going to be out there available. It's going to be done in two steps, by the way. You're going to take a shot and then you're going to come back in in three to six weeks and you're going to get a second shot. And that is going to inoculate you against COVID-19 with a 95% efficiency. Now, we don't know how long that immunity lasts yet, but we know it works. And so here we have the solution to the problem right in front of our face. And half the population says they're nervous, hesitant, skeptical to give this thing a try. And and I think we all are going to have to sit down, look in the mirror and and maybe look at the data and come to understand that unless we want to continually keep dealing with issues like this when remedies are available we're going to need to wrestle with the data and come to the conclusion that vaccinations are a positive thing on the population of this planet if you value human life And you want as many humans to have a positive outcome as possible. And I think any other perspective, even with, and I get it, I understand those who think vaccinations lead to autism, you have your evidence that you believe reinforces and backs up that view. I don't debate that. I understand that you, you can send me links if you want to, but I know they exist back in Ohio. I, I lived in a community and I, and I, had a person who was an acquaintance and I would call a friend. She had two children. They both had autism and she swore one. She had tons of data and information that backed up her view. She called it evidence. She sometimes called it proof. She believed that the, this, these vaccinations led to her two children having autism. And what's the chance you have two kids and they both are autistic. The chances are, uh, slim and uh, exponentially rare, and yet it happened. And she believed deeply that her kids were functioning and developing and behaving normal. Then they got their vaccine, and suddenly she starts to notice these differences in behavior and in development. And so I understand people have their their sources for where they get the beliefs they get. That's, that holds the same through religion, that holds the same through pol- political beliefs, 
Um, I've got a brother who deeply believes that the election was fixed and that Biden had a wide mass scale collaborative uh, deception going on on multiple fronts that got him uh, way more votes than he legitimately got and somehow reduced Trump's votes or changed Trump votes to Biden votes. And my brother has all of his references and his sources for this view. So when people hold uh, less accepted views or even false views, if, if we're going to go as far as to say, look, those are false. People have their sources for why they believe such things. But today I want to invoke some science. And so we're going to watch another video. This is a little longer. It's, a, it's several minutes long. But this is the SciShow, which I've, I've listened to before, and they do a really good job of explaining clearly the science behind vaccinations and understanding whether they are good for us or not. Roll the tape. We haven't talked about the vaccine debate here on SciShow because there is no debate to have. Vaccines don't cause autism and they save millions of lives every year. But there is a debate, whether or not it makes sense. And a lot of people counter this with ridicule, but we at SciShow aren't about judgment, we're about science and using it to better understand the world. We see the anti-vaccination movement as a phenomenon to be understood. So instead of making yet another statement about how yes, vaccines are good and no, they don't cause autism, let's use science to understand why fewer and fewer people people are getting their children vaccinated. I'm Hank Green, and this is SciShow. First, let's discuss how we ended up with this imagined link between vaccinations and autism in the first place. Autism diagnoses are definitely on the rise. Now, many scientists believe that this is largely or even completely because of more effective diagnosis and changes in how the diagnosis is reported. So while the diagnoses of autism are increasing, we can't say for sure whether the incidence of autism is also increasing. If it is, it must be because of some environmental factor. Now, when we talk about autism, we're really referring to a range of developmental disorders which can affect a person's ability to communicate or socialize or cause them to develop patterns of behavior that become pretty specific and inflexible. The condition can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, but you've probably heard of them referred to together as Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. While ASD has been found to have some strong genetic components to it, there also seem to be environmental factors at work as well. And that's really the root of this controversy. We simply don't know precisely what causes autism. And in the absence of explanations, people try to make sense of it themselves, and the way our brains do that is almost entirely with cognitive bias. A cognitive bias is really just anything that skews how we process and interpret new information. There are tons of different kinds of bias. Some biases cause us to ignore certain data, others lead us to put too much emphasis on certain data. They can even drive us to focus on facts that are actually irrelevant to what we're observing. But essentially, when we hear a hypothesis and think, yeah, that makes sense, really what we're saying is, yeah, that fits with my cognitive biases. And so people blame all sorts of things for autism. Plastics, pesticides, the use of antidepressants during pregnancy, GMOs, sugar, gut bacteria, and vaccines. Basically, you start with whatever makes the most sense to the person doing the hypothesizing. The onset of autism typically happens in one of two ways. Either parents notice a delay in language development, typically around the first birthday, or they notice an apparently sudden loss of existing development, which might happen all the way through the third birthday. Now, humans are pattern recognition machines. We need to be able to figure out what behaviors and strategies lead to positive outcomes. But even more than that, we're on the 
look out for things that lead to negative outcomes. This overweighting of negative outcomes is a well-known psychological effect called negativity bias. So imagine you wake up one morning and your car doesn't work. Your brain is gonna want to know what happened. Did you leave your lights on? Did you drive through a huge puddle yesterday and maybe shorted something out? There has to be some reason why it won't start. On the other hand, if you get in a 15-year-old car and it starts up just fine after having had a bad week of barely getting going, you tend not to wonder, what went right? We spend far more cognitive resources attempting to figure out why a bad thing happened than we do trying to determine why something good happened. In psychology, the search for these explanations is called explanatory attribution, and different people have different explanatory styles. Some people are more prone to blame themselves, while others search for an external event to blame. But one thing is clear. We are very bad at not blaming anything. It's not surprising that parents of children with autism, especially parents who notice a sudden loss of previous development, will search for a possible cause. And when the most significant recent event in the health of a child was a vaccination, as can be said for many moments in the life of a young American, we might identify that as a potential cause and deem that link worthy of further examination. Now this is completely logical. The problem is that over a dozen peer-reviewed papers have found no correlation between autism and the MMR vaccine, or any other vaccine for that matter. And yet, when you Google vaccines and autism, a fair number of the results claim that there is a link between the two, and that that link is being covered up either by the government or by big corporations. A parent, already experiencing frustration with the medical community's inability to tell them why this thing has happened to their child, will, on the internet, find a vibrant community of similarly frustrated people who share their values and experiences. These communities are full of anecdotes that draw connections between vaccines and autism, and so, unsurprisingly, some people become convinced that they have found the reason for their child's disability. Once their mind has been made up, confirmation bias sets in. Confirmation bias is simply our tendency to more readily, and with less scrutiny, accept information, anecdotes, and worldviews that confirm our existing beliefs. And again, it is a completely normal thing that every person does. Indeed, trying to convince someone that a previously held belief is incorrect has been proven to actually increase their affinity for that idea. And so a community is born, and the safety of vaccines is called into question. And once the procedure for getting a vaccine goes from the doctor telling you that it is now time for a vaccine, and 99% of parents agreeing because that person went through medical school, to it being a question to ponder, vaccination rates will go down. A 2011 study showed that parents who think about vaccines before their child is born are eight times less likely to vaccinate their children. Basically, when given an opportunity to do research on their own, what they find is confusing. And when confused, the default choice is to simply take no action. And this is an example of yet another bias called omission bias. In effect, we judge harmful actions as less moral than harmful inactions or omissions. In fact, a frequently cited study found that when the choice to vaccinate is framed as an action, the average parent will only vaccinate their child if not vaccinating is at least two times more dangerous than vaccinating. This has to do with our perception of future regret. Parents report that they'll feel worse if they take an action and it harms their child than if they don't act and the child is harmed by a failure to act. This perception of potential regret can be so strong that even bringing up the choice of acting versus non-acting seems to be counterproductive. A 2013 study found that attempts to convince parents to vaccinate their children actually decreased the percentage who went on to choose vaccination. If vaccination is presented as a personal choice instead of a necessity for good public health, then potentially harmful inaction can seem more moral than potentially harmful action, and vaccination rates go down. Parents are choosing to let nature take its course. And as you might expect, this effect is much stronger in people with a measurable naturalness bias. This is just a tendency to perceive things that come from nature as being inherently less threatening than things that we invent ourselves. One way psychologists measure this bias is by asking a subject if they'd prefer a substance extracted from an herb or one synthesized in a lab, even if they're chemically identical. And of course, others have biases against big government or big corporations, and these ideas about vaccinations 
fit well with those worldviews. Confirmation bias at work again. But even people who don't hold these biases end up being more likely not to vaccinate if they start doing research before their baby is born. This is because of another failure of the human brain. We are terrible at what psychologists call risk perception. Given the merest sliver of a possibility that vaccines will cause developmental disorders, parents are now weighing a disease they have seen, autism, against diseases they have never seen. Since the 1970s, measles has been pretty much unheard of. The measles doesn't scare people my age for the same reason a giant man-eating squirrel doesn't scare us. We've never seen it. Risk perception is basically a science all on its own, and we've found that vague future hazards, like the future probability of an illness, are far less frightening than immediate specific hazards, like the sudden onset of autism. So amazingly, the success of vaccines is one of the reasons that people are less likely to vaccinate their children. So yes, it turns out humans are complicated, and this is a complicated problem. Humans are inherently bad at understanding the effects of self-selecting samples like online anti-vaccine forums, and often completely unable to accept that a negative outcome could really be the result of something that's beyond their control, and still not very well understood. This is not an anti-vaxxer problem. It's a human problem. Those of us who trust science or have built an understanding of statistics and bias simply have had different lives than people who more heavily weight anecdotes or the opinions of their friends or strangers they meet online who feel the same way. So next time you find yourself frustrated about the decline in vaccinations in America, remember that it's only because of the dramatic success of vaccines that we could even think of having this debate. And those anti-vaccine activists are being driven by the exact same logic traps and cognitive biases that every one of us suffers from. Only by understanding and accepting these psychological pitfalls that we're all so susceptible to will we be able to solve this problem, and that is what science is all about. Thanks for watching this episode of SciShow, where we really do try to be objective, and we objectively believe that the universe is amazing and fantastic, and if you want to join us in understanding it and all of the stuff in it, including our brains, you can go to youtube.com slash scishow and subscribe. I think there he makes an incredible point. And it's if we lived in an age where the Black Plague was running rampant, if we lived in an age where polio and measles and uh, smallpox was right in our face, the moment a vaccine comes out and makes that all go away, you wouldn't be able to make the argument. But because we live in an age where all of these serious illnesses are out of our view. And even with COVID-19, very few of us are aware of people who had seriously negative outcomes. Everyone goes like, oh, well, my uncle had it and my cousin Gary had it. And they just had like mild cases. And I just don't think this thing is as real as people say. But if the disease were in your face and it were prevalent among the population and you knew 10 people who had polio, when the vaccine came out, you would no longer be able to argue against the science. And so it's my hope in wrapping up this episode, here we are under a half an hour. It's my hope that each of you who listen will consider when this vaccine comes out, helping humanity as a whole by taking it. This is the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful that you joined us today. If you have the means to donate, would you please go to almostawakened.org and hit the donate button and drop a few dollars in the jar. Thank you. See you next time. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, 
email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Harkins.